Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Music Sucks with me, your host, Eddie Aaron Herster, and uh, oh boy, we have another big one for y'all. We are on episode five of the STS series. That series is where me and a guest sit down with each other and talk about a band that we both like, and this episode, uh, my guest is Max Schaefer. We are doing Queen, and man, oh man, this was one hell of an episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, we talk about uh, Queen's vast discography, everything from uh, the live records that they've released, the uh, compilations that they've put out, some favorite singles and deep cuts. Mac gives his top five Queen records. And we talk a little bit about the Bohemian Rhapsody movie that's coming out November 2nd. Uh, that's why we chose to do Queen in honor of that movie coming out. Super excited for that. Super excited for you guys to listen to this episode. But before we get to it, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the Zima Podcasting Network. That is where you'll find other awesome podcasts such as The Graham Zima Show, Monsters at Midnight, and Who You Got. To listen to these and to subscribe to the network, be sure to go to zimapodcastingnetwork.com. Also, make sure you tap those like and follow buttons on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to listen to clips. Uh, listen on iTunes as well, and now you can listen to the episodes on Spotify. Just search Zima Podcasting Network. So, without further ado, sit back. Turn this up to 11 and enjoy my chat with Max Schaefer on Queen. All right, you are listening to Music Sucks. I am sitting across the table from my friend Mac Schaefer. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am fantastic. I am psyched, and I'm a little nervous to see where this podcast goes because we are doing episode number five of our STS series, or the STS stands for Shoot the Shit, where uh, me and a guest talk about a band that we both really like, and we just talk about their discography, but not so much the studio albums because that's a whole other conversation. Uh, We talk about you know, DVDs, live albums, compilations, demos, anything, anything of like the B real, if I can use a film term or anything like that, because you're a film major and Gray was a film major and I want to feel smarter on you guys. So we, uh, <laughs> so this episode is going to be based on uh, a very classic band and one that I know Mac loves a lot, Queen. Um, yeah, and we are doing Queen. this in honor of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie that's coming out, which we'll talk about, you know, as the episode goes on. But first, to start off the episode, uh, Mac, tell me how you first got into Queen. Well, um, they're one of my dad's favorite bands. And as a kid, we would uh, one of my favorite movies was a movie called Flash Gordon. Okay. And Queen did the score for, the, for that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I freaked out when I found out that, like, Queen had like all these other songs because like everyone's heard "We Will Rock You," "We mm-hmm. Are the Champions." I didn't even hear Bohemian Rhapsody. I was gonna I say was, like 
14 or 15. I was going to say, it's interesting that you bring that up right out of the gate because, yeah, my discovery of Queen was probably, you know, We Will Rock You or We Are the Champions, like, on the radio. I didn't know that Flash Gordon was an actual movie until uh, Ted came out. Yeah. So uh, what's his face is in it? I had such a great time <laughs> watching that scene because like I was the only one in the theater who had who knew what they were who talking knew about. What Flash Gordon was. So I was just having the time of my life. But yeah, um, so Flash Gordon's one of my favorite movies. Okay. And I have the soundtrack by Queen, and there's certain songs that I like go into battle to. They're so fucking great. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess that's actually awesome that you bring that up because that's kind of a I don't know if that's a lesser known record. It's definitely not one of their most popular ones, but people yeah. obviously know the Flash Gordon theme song because it is, yeah, by Queen. Um, so that's gonna be um, one of the themes of this up of the. That's actually one of the themes of the shoot of the STS series in general is where we just talk about uh, back catalog and releases that not a lot of people know about. Even though I'm looking at the it, first of all. Uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Trying to come up with a list for this episode was fucking difficult. Yeah. Because not only does Queen have a lot of hits, they have a lot of live records. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, you know, multiple greatest hits, uh, records, compilations, records, whatever you want to call it. So I narrowed it down to, uh, we'll start with the live records just so that way we can get those out of the way. Um, there's probably... I think I have five written down. Yeah, I have five written down. So uh, the first live record we're going to talk about is Queen Live Killers. Um, it is, I think it's their first live record, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, it was uh, recorded around the uh, European leg of the Jazz World Tour. So that record was kind of getting its hype and whatnot. Um, it was released in June of 1979. It was recorded between January and March of 79. Uh, the band self-produced it, and it was the first uh, live record to be missed at, mixed at their own studios, which is uh, Mountain Studios in Switzerland. And uh, it features, you know, all, like classic tracks like, you know, We Will Rock You, Killer Queen, Bicycle Race. You know, I think Bohemian Rhapsody's on here. Yeah, uh, you know, We Are the Champions. You know, and even some lesser-known tracks. Even like, one of my favorite, like yeah. little little-known ones, is on here. Thirty-nine. Oh, the, oh yeah, that's right. Thirty-nine is on here. Yeah, thirty-nine, and you know, spread your spread your wings. Uh, I'm in love with my car. You know, it's it's um, it's an interesting live record too because it's so classic, but it's not the live record that people Most people think about when they think about queen live yeah even though like the i'm looking at the cover of the record right now it's just so iconic with the guys just standing with the fists in the air and whatnot um yeah yeah. oh another fun fact uh before we move on to the next one so they like i mentioned they mixed this album by themselves but uh they were unhappy with the final mix like initially when it came out because I know that it's probably had a couple like reissues and whatnot but it's interesting when a band produces and mixes an album on their own because they want it to be their vision yeah their one vision um if I can make a pun that would hopefully make Max smile about that (laughs) I invited you on the show (laughs) motherfucker I could take you out easily um so yeah um, but I, I just thought it was interesting that they were, you know, unhappy with the final mix, and even though they were the ones that mixed it, yeah, um, yeah. So, but uh, as I mentioned before, it's not the live record that people mostly associate with Queen. Uh, that would be the next one, which live at is Wembley, live at Wembley '86. It was 
um, they played Wembley. They've had, this isn't the first time they played Wembley too either because no. um, uh, one year earlier they played the uh, they played Live Aid at Live Aid there the classic Live which, Aid set. Anyone who's never seen that that show that is the oh. ideal way to work a crowd. Yeah, do yourself a fucking favor and watch that twenty five minute set because yeah, think about this. If we can talk about jump back to Live Aid a little bit, you know Queen was at like. A low, I guess, a low point. They were in, in their a, career. They were in a bit of a um, a rut because mm-hmm. one of the things that, that um, pissed off a lot of their musical music friends is that they played in apartheid South Africa, mm-hmm. and a lot of artists at that time had made this, this this claim that they refused to play South Africa until it's united and everyone can go to their shows. Mm-hmm. And they took they they took a gig there because they needed the money. So like. A lot of people were mad um, when Bob Geldof did his "Do They Know It's Christmas" gang vocal. They right. didn't invite Freddie. He took that really offensively. So a lot of people didn't really. Uh, at that point, Queen was just like, "Oh yeah, I know Queen, whatever." Mm-hmm. But when they showed up, like they they had only like twenty five minutes, and they knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And by the beginning of the show, everyone was just like, "Oh look, it's Queen." But then by the end, everyone was, everyone cheering. was cheering. The entire place singing yep. We Are the Champions to the point where they ended up getting uh, Freddie and Brian to come back out at the end of the night to do like one last song before right. everything shut down. Because I forget, who was the band that was supposed to go on after Queen? Cause they I think a- it may have been Led Zeppelin. Was it Zeppelin? I think it was oh, Zeppelin. God. And like and it was not a, a good show, oh, too. That set was disastrous. Oh, my I God, remember. yeah. Um, which is sad because in, Zepp- in Zeppelin's set they had Phil Collins from Genesis like playing drums for them. Yeah, obviously for like you know the, you know John Bonham John Bonham had died like years before that, um, but it's so that's just interesting in itself too because when you think like Zeppelin you think oh they're never getting back together yeah and then you know oh shit they're getting back together for this oh by the way Queen just blew you guys off the stage you have another twenty five minutes go. <laughs> yeah. So, but then, yeah, going back to Live at Wembley '86. So it was the year after Live Aid. Um, it was recorded during the Magic tour, which I think was the last tour that they did before they stopped performing live. Before Magic um, tour, yeah, yeah. Before uh, Freddie Mercury got sick or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I this is the one that Live at Wembley '86 is the one that I've like watched footage of the most because there is. You know, it opens with One Vision, which I think is the, isn't that like the big single off of Magic, or am I wrong? One Vision? One Vision. Well, there's that, there's also A Kind of Magic, which a kind is of a pretty magic. big song, which and same too. for uh, Who Wants to Live Forever. Uh, a oh. lot of those songs were used in the movie Highlander, which had come out around right. the same time, mm-hmm. and Queen had written a couple of songs, and there's never been an official soundtrack release of that, okay. and it sucks because there's, like, there's one or two songs on there that Queen wrote that I can't really find anywhere else, mm-hmm. and it's... They're really great songs, and it's a fucking great movie too. Anybody, go go see Highlander. Right. It's great. Yeah, um, and I think if I were to pick a live album for people to start with, Live at Wembley '86 would be it because you know it opens with One Vision, but it also has you know the hits like you know I want to break. F- oh, I want to okay. break free. Crazy I stand little- corrected here. I'm sorry. No, you're good. David Bowie played right after Queen. Oh wow! So did they do Under Pressure at Live Aid? No. Oh, they did. Oh, that's right. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Because, yeah. Let's see. Okay, yeah. So, like, it was at that point in the night, mm-hmm. 
um, Dire Straits had just okay. You two played, then it was Dire Straits, then it was Queen, then it was David Bowie, then it was The Who, then it was Elton John. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Talk about it. And before that, you had like Brian Ferry, Howard Jones, Sting, Phil Collins, Sade, Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. Ultravox. Oh, dude, that would have been such a gnarly. I line. forgot that David Bowie played Live Aid. Yeah. His set's good, though. His set's really good, yeah. He just walks out and sings like nobody's fucking business. You get me on here for Bowie, boy. We're I know. Be here for like hours. <laughs> That's, that'll be a different episode. But yeah, going back to I, my original point, Live at Wembley 86 would be the record that live record that I would recommend to people because, you know, it has Bohemian Rhapsody, it has Radio Gaga, Crazy Little Thing Call of, but it also has, you know, hit, uh, songs like uh, Seven Seas of Rye, yeah, which is like their first hit. That's or, like one of my favorite songs by them too. That's like the first. That's like the first pre Night at the Opera hit, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, sort of. It has yeah. that. It has "You're So Square, Baby, I Don't Care." Is this world we created? Give me some loving. It just has like it has hits, but it also has a lot of like hits that people don't know about or like some deep cuts. Yeah, it's and they have the um, they have the con- they have covers of Big Spender and Tutti Frutti. Hello, oh, Mary that's Lou. Right. The, Harry, the Hello, Mary Lou one is a personal favorite. Okay. So like. When I was younger, I had the live the, the DVD of Wembley Stadium, mm-hmm. and like everyone in my family, we all fucking love Queen, yeah. and we will always like watch the show if it's on. Mm-hmm. And it's crazier is that because at my old work, um, I used to work at a thrift store, and my boss, he had a really cool Queen story. So he's an old 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 school rocker guy, mm-hmm. and he like when he was in the military, he brought a sixteen millimeter camera into a Queen show in nineteen seventy eight. Was like was like front row, and because there was no sound, because it was just the footage, no sound, they allowed him to film because he there wasn't they he didn't have any like music to put mm-hmm. to it, so he still has those, um, sixteen or eight I think it was eight millimeter was eight, eight an eight millimeter footage okay. of Queen performing, and I'm like but I want to like, see that, but it's silent though. I know, but it'd but you, still be cool though. Yeah, I'm just I mean, saying, like yeah, it's weird to it would it would be weird to see because when you think queen you think loud rock or loud operatic rock in your face yeah so it'd be interesting to see their movements on film without or it'd be interesting to see queen on mute yeah <laughs> which is which is not ideal for me but i i that but just the fact i mean that you he, still see the performance yeah but just the and the fact that he was able to capture footage in 1978 yeah it's like that's unheard of yeah um and he would also play the live at Wembley show on, our, on all the TVs all the time. It was great. Right. Loved it. Okay. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Sure. Um, so I guess jumping forward to the next live release that I got, it's Queen Rock Montreal, baby. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is one of the newer live records that came out in the last uh, decade, and it was recorded over two nights at the Montreal Forum in mm-hmm. Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um in 1981, so that would have been around the time that Flash Gordon came out. Yeah. Okay. Flash Gordon came out in like 1980. 1980. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at the track list right now. Right now I'm cheating. Oh, they did play the Flash theme song. Yep. And, and uh, the one. hero. And the hero. That's right. Um. So they play a couple of hits off of that. Um. And oh, so this marks the. F- uh, I'm reading off the Wikipedia page. I apologize. Uh, it says that this marks the first official release to the film soundtrack to the concert film "We Will Rock You," mm-hmm. which fill me in on that because I don't know what that is. What the the <laughs> concert film "We Will Rock You"? I don't know what that is. Um. Oh, it's just it's 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 the it's the Rock Montreal show, pretty much. Oh, so that's it on DVD. Yeah. Okay. Huh. 
And this wasn't was this the this wasn't the first DVD to be released by Queen, was it? It was the first. Um, well, it was the first like thing. It was the first live show that was released after the Wembley Wembley show was released, which was released like a year after Freddie died. Oh, okay. So this was released sure. in two thousand seven. Um, and it was put on a double CD, uh, DVD, and double CD by Hollywood Records. Yeah, and. It's also has like the DVD comes with the Live Aid show attached to it. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. That I did not know. And it's a, I mean, it's a long ass show too. They have like I, twenty-five I've, songs, dude. I know. <laughs> and it has a drum solo, but there's a drum solo and a guitar and a guitar solo. solo right after one, right after another, baby. Um, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that we should talk about on here is the cover of Jailhouse Rock, mm-hmm. which is a which. Queen, Queen's like one of the first bands that actually does covers right. Oh, definitely. You know, because you just mentioned the um, the covers that they did for Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, Tutti Frutti and Hello, Mary Lou. And Hello, Mary Lou. The fact that they also covered Jailhouse Rock like five years beforehand just blows my oh, mind. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, you can see easily like one of Freddie's biggest influences like as an entertainer, mm-hmm. as a performer is Elvis Presley. Is Elvis, yeah. So mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Um, so jumping back a couple of years, couple like a handful of years. So one of the live records, so this is one of the newer live records, but it's one of the first live albums recorded. So it's live at the Rainbow 74. Um, this was released in 2014, and it was part of, I believe it was part of the Sheer Heart Attack tour. Would have been that record in 74? Yes, or Queen Two. It was it was it was uh, Sheer Heart Attack tour. Okay, and Sheer Heart Attack was the the one their third album was the third record because there was Queen Queen Two then Sheer Heart Sheer Heart Attack. And let me tell you, if you want like the perfect three power metal albums, that's exactly what those three Queen albums are. They're right. pure power metal, mm-hmm. and they're amazing. And they're probably the only power metal albums you'll ever need. Right. <laughs> it's probably the only power metal I will listen to. Um. But yeah, so this was yeah, it was recorded in '74 at the Rainbow in London. I, I was that it confused me when that first came out because I thought of the Rainbow at in like California, Los Angeles because Rainbow is like a club. Yeah, but the Rainbow in London is a theater. Yeah, which I which suits Queen a little more. Um, but yeah, I I wanted to include this one because it this is pre Night at the Opera. Yeah, when it can, and which that's the record that people think about when they think of Queen is because that has you know, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody on it and yeah. amongst other classic songs. But the Sheer Heart Attack record has you know it has Killer Queen, which is like the first hit. That and Seven Seas of Rye are like the first two hits. Yeah, like pre Night at the Opera before that thing coming out. That and Brighton Rock too. Yeah. Yeah, that. So, like, I'm looking at this track list right now. There's a lot of tracks that I don't recognize at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, they did a cover. Ogre J- Battle is hilarious. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, when they... It, that's off Queen 2, and Queen 2 is an album that, like... It's kind of like... A, it's a big it's a big cult album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, it's... Everybody, like, when it comes to, like, the first Queen album, it's a good album, but, like, the second half of it is not that great. Like, the first three songs are really good. On the first Queen record? Yeah. Or on the, okay. And then, like, it ends with a song called Jesus, and it's about Jesus, and it's <gasps> it's cool, but it's just, <laughs> I'm you know. gasping because I didn't know what that song was about. I know, a song about Jesus, about Jesus. It's called Jesus, yeah. yeah. All right, anyway. 
Um, but Queen 2, I think, is like when they first started to get into the whole theatricality aspect. Oh, absolutely. The Seven Seas of Rise on that record. Yes. Well, in, on the first album, there's an instrumental version of Seven Seas of Rye. Really? And that plays at the very end of the album. Whoa. And it's just the it's just the, the piano bit. That's interesting. And it's... And then they put music, they put words to it for Queen 2. That is interesting. Yeah. And it's it's really great. Yeah. It's really great. Oh, and I should also note that I believe all these live albums include uh, Brian May's uh, arranged version of God Save the Queen. Probably, yeah. Which oh, no, is... no, no. I think that started in... Um... Well, it's on no, this. okay. It's, it's on, on this one. one. Yeah. They, they put it on the album for None of the Opera. Oh, that's where... It, oh, that's right. That is where it's on. So after okay. that, like... They would, after every show, they, they would play a recording, recording of, the, of, God of their Save God Save the Queen. the Queen. Yeah, which is a very good rendition of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that, that'll that conclude that one. I, I wanted to include this one because, yeah, it was, you know, literally not even a year, probably like months before Queen got to superstar status. Yeah. Or at so least it's the, a very, it's very or the unique. start of, yeah, it's very unique, or at least the start of superstar status. Um, and then this, this final live record you told me to include, which is a night at the Odin, uh, or the Hammersmith in 1975. And this was right around the year that this is the year that night at the opera came out. Um, it is the first official release of the band's Christmas Eve performance at the Hammersmith Odin, uh, Odin, or Odeon, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, it was taped by the BBC. It was broadcasted on BBC Two and BBC Radio One, and it includes one of the first live performances of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, and it's actually one of the band's most popular bootlegs before it was given a, a proper release. So yeah, and it's it's great peak. It's like peak seventies Arena Queen. I I agree on that. And I mean, like all through the seventies, they just had hit after hit after hit album. Mm-hmm. Um. But like most people will agree, a night at the opera is the best. Is like the quintessential record. Yeah. Um. That's interesting that um, it was the one of the first like performances of Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm looking at the track list right now. There's Bohemian Rhapsody, which is like a six minute song, but they only play like the first two and a half minutes of it. Then they go into Killer Queen, then March of the, the Black, Black Queen, Queen, and then Bohemian Rhapsody reprise, which I think is just the ending. Yeah, pretty so, much trying to think of when they started doing when would they have started playing bohemian rhapsody live in its entirety or did they ever do it when freddie was alive oh they did it i mean they do at the wembley show i think um as the song became a little more popular because like it was already like making a six minute track to try to be their single was kind of an absurd thing to try Mm -hmm. so they definitely probably kept out they just played like the beginning piano pit and then Right. Do their other stuff, and then like the the end piano bit, and none of the headbanging stuff that would come to would come to be what we know as like Queen headbanging. Yeah, Queen headbanging. Wayne's World. Thanks, Wayne's World. <laughs> Thanks, Wayne's World. Hey, it's still a good movie though. Um, Fun fact: I got a fun fact for you. Okay, sure, go for it. Um, Freddie Mercury got to watch that footage of that scene in Wayne's World because the movie had come, had yet to come out, but the, he he had to go through it. Um, they had to give the footage to Queen for the rights so they oh, could, well, yeah. for the music rights. Uh-huh. So they watched it with, they watched the, the footage and apparently Freddie thought it was wonderful. <laughs> wow. So he got to see that and like that movie came out like in 92, I think. 92, yeah. Yeah. 
So it was it was a couple of months before he after he passed. Yeah. Oh God, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's because of that that's that that song hit number one on the rock charts again. Again, yeah, because that basically revitalized Queen after in America in because, America because nobody talks a lot about how um, Freddie hated how uh, sometimes very homophobic the fans were. Yeah, in America. That's why he. Didn't, that's why Queen almost never toured America after 1982. Really? Yeah. So, the all they were always playing sold out shows worldwide, but mm-hmm. almost never did they go to America. That's interesting. And part of that was like people would throw razor blades on stage at him, Whoa. And, because it was it was kind of like a well known thing that I was Freddie's bisexuality. Right. So, okay, so it's confirmed that he's bisexual. He was I, bisexual. I knew, that, yeah. I knew that he was, you know, LGBT, but I did, I couldn't. Yeah, I never knew well, if he was gay or not. He said in an interview that he can never love a man the way he loves a woman. Oh, okay. Um, that being said, I mean, he had his he had his partner. He did, and um, yeah. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping that they they touch on that in the in the film. I really hope so it, too. It's, it gets sort of it gets sort of died down where it's like, oh, Freddie was definitely gay. Yeah. No, he was bisexual. Right. No, he had he had, he had a gay, wife. He, he, yeah. Oh, he had a all right, yeah. like a female partner at least. Yeah, he had a partner. Yeah, we can talk more about the movie when that gets to it because there's yeah. there's, there's some stuff in that uh, movie and that uh, I want to talk about. Um, so that concludes the the live records. I think we can agree that live at Wembley is the record live record people should start with if they want to yes. like get a queen ex- a queen live experience. Yeah, you know, and because like eighties Queen is so different from seventies Queen. Oh yeah, live killers could can work like on a separate level. Of yes. like what you're mm-hmm. looking for, but like '80s Queen is just international superstar level, queen. right? And because Live Killers is also pre another one bites the dust, which yeah. that kicks off '80s Queen, pretty much essentially because yeah. the game came out. They said and, they weren't going to do disco music, and they wrote a disco song, and they wrote another one bites the dust, baby. Um, but yeah, speaking of uh, hits, we can jump over to. Uh, the greatest hits, the multitude of greatest hits. We narrowed it down to, I guess, four. Well, the first three, the first, so they have greatest hits, volumes one, two, and three. Uh, they were released as the Platinum Collection in 2000, but the they were actually separately released in, like, the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, obviously with, you know, with the greatest hits record in Queen, you're going to get the hits. You're going to get... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Fat Bottom Girls, uh, We Will Rock You. Um, oh yeah, I want to break free. I want it all. Radio Gaga. You're gonna get all those fucking hits. But the cool thing about Greatest Hits Volume Three is that there is different versions of songs. Different versions, and there's also like um, it's like there's uh, Show Must Go On, but it's uh-huh. performed with Queen, Elton John. Okay. Um, there's also stuff like. Um, the song Barcelona, which um, I'm going to say her name wrong. So, Freddie did a song with oh, um, a famous soprano who actually just died like six days ago. You're kidding. Montserrat Cabal. I, I, oh, I, yeah, I'm that's gonna right. Say her, I'm going to say her name wrong, but... It's fine. She was just a keep, Spanish... Keep it like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spanish soprano, one of, the, one of the best sopranos out there. And they sang a song Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And it's it shouldn't work. It really should it not really work. It really shouldn't. But it works. Well, she's the person that got Freddie into opera. Yeah, because he's pre- he like one of the last one of the last performances was an opera show 
or, or an opera that I think it became the. I think the, they did together. Yeah, and because of his death, um, the 1992 Olympic Games, the which were held in Barcelona, the song Barcelona he sang with her became the official song for that. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, did you have any of the these greatest hits records growing up too? Yes. Okay. I had the first greatest hits, but I had the American We Will Rock You edition. Now explain that difference to me. It was just a re-release that they did in 2004. Okay. Um, but they added three extra songs, and the three extra songs were two songs that were from Queen on Fire live at the live at the um, Milton Keys Bowl Ooh. in. England. Okay. Um, and those were Under Pressure and Tie Your Mother Down. Nice. As well as an original single mix of I'm in Love With My Car with John Deacon singing it. Because right. he wrote that song. That's no, right. No, wait. Roger Taylor wrote that song. Well, but- it should well it should be noted that like there are like there are tracks that every single member wrote. Oh, yeah. You they know, all, they, each member had a number one single. Yes. And they're like the only band to ever do that. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm looking at the track list right now and who wrote the stuff. Like Deke, John Deacon, bass player that no one talks about, uh, wrote "You're My Best Friend." Yeah, which I was actually listening to that on my way over here, and I complete. He also wrote another one, "Bites of Dust." Yeah. Um, what's the one that Roger Taylor wrote? Oh, "A Kind of Magic." Radio Gaga was one that he wrote too. Yeah. Which, right? I think Radio Gaga is like the big single off of the works, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there's that one. Um, the ha- Hammer to Fall. I'm gonna fall, but Brian May wrote that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to break free was also off that one. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, huh. It's interesting to go back to the point of how Queen almost never toured America after 1982. The works came out in '84, and that's when that "I Want to Break Free" video came out. Yeah. So, huh? And also, like, depending on. Like with a lot of those uh, special editions that would come out of like the deluxe editions of mm-hmm. albums that have been flooding the market lately. Yeah, um, the works has a really cool uh, bunch of extra songs that include three different or two two different Christmas songs. Okay, including "Thank God It's Christmas," which is a really good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we could jump forward to the other compilation record that I have, which which was kind of a big deal when it came out in 2014. So the compilation is called "Queen Forever." And um, it's, you know, it has greatest hits songs on there, but it also includes some forgotten about recorded tracks that feature, you know, Freddie Mercury and I, mean, I guess John Deacon because, you know, that's the lineup that was the original or classic lineup, I think, because the Queen had some members before Freddie and John even joined, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Um, but... That's not very important. We all we know the big four, um, but yeah, I think the four the four tracks that are um, are new are "Let Me in Your Heart Again," uh, "Love Kills," uh, and there there must be more to life than this, which includes the duet that they did with Michael. That's the duet that they did with Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Um, what else was another one? Uh, I was born to love you, but I guess that's also on Made in Heaven. Yeah. Um, which no one ever talks about that record either, because that came out after Freddie's death. That came out of his death, and it's kind of it's it's really sad to yeah. listen to because it was all the stuff that like he was just singing stuff at the end, and they would just like record whatever they could mm. um, with what time they had, and there's a certain song on it, and. 
The song is, I think it's Mother Love. Okay. It's the final song that uh, Mercury uh, sang in. And uh, Mercury sings the first th- the first two verses. And then the last verse is sung by Brian May. Because oh, cause he never recorded He never finished verse. it. Uh, so that, 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 always when I hear that part, that's when I start to cry a little. Yeah. So good. Man, way to bring the mood down, Mac. Well, we're talking about fucking Queen. What I know, we're expect? talking about Queen. Um, have you heard the Michael Jackson duet? I don't think I have, actually. Because I, I haven't either, but I know that there's, like, the time that they recorded with Michael Jackson is an interesting one. Yeah. Because that was when Michael was, like... Peak pe- Michael. Peak Michael. And Queen was kind of at peak Queen, I guess, yeah. as well. Um, if I remember the story right... It almost didn't happen because Michael Jackson, like an animal that Michael Jackson had, wasn't allowed in the studio. Or Freddie was like pissed that orangutan, he orangutan. I think orangutan. Yeah, and Freddie was like, "I'm not recording unless that monkey gets out of the studio," Ooh. or something like that. So it almost didn't happen. Jesus. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because you know I, when people think of Queen or at least duets from Queen, they think of Under Pressure, which is the classic, you know, David Bowie and Queen record which yeah. is on your favorite record I'm just hot space I'm yeah, it's not that good it's not that good mac, mac and i talked about like how we were structuring this episode and he was just like we're not talking about hot space we're not talking about hot space and we're not talking about queen and paul rogers no nope. which we are not talking about which okay we can talk about queen and paul rogers on tour we can't talk about the cosmos, the, the cosmos which is it's the record fucking awful which is kind of sad because it was hyped when it came out because people were like oh shit new queen record with a different singer but yeah from what I, i've never listened to before when i heard it's not good no it's not good at all but uh, to me queen and paul rogers works very well and i've seen live footage of it from that i think they did a live dvd of queen and paul rogers yeah return of the champions right and i think it's in it was shot in canada canada and it's like one of the biggest audiences they ever fucking played to and, and like that's and it's fine. Like, like it's fine when, um, like, I think one of the things that nobody really takes into account is mm-hmm. that Brian May and Roger Taylor are very much in the thought that like Queen was not just Freddie; it was all it was them. all four of them. Yep. And in a way, they're correct. There are a handful. Of, the, there are a handful of bands like that, and Queen is definitely one of them. But most people they only know Queen through Freddie. Mm-hmm. And the idea of them going on tour or putting out an album without Freddie seemed to a lot of them as a, a, a sort of like a almost a slap in the face or like okay, or the idea sure. of Freddie turning in his grave kind of. Right. But honestly, it's fine. Um, like live, like Paul Rogers of Bad Company. It's still some really good music. Oh, yeah. And. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Paul Rogers either, because no. like he's a phenomenal singer. Like he can still crush it. Oh yeah, and like I people give me shit, but like I'm I'm a fan of Adam Lambert and Queen. Oh yeah, that's right, because he he's been doing that for now. He's I've, been doing that for a while. They just that. did a they just did a couple of shows. I think one in Vegas. A couple. Well, of, well, Queen ago. and Adam Lambert is is different because Adam Lambert's a more theatrical performer, yeah. whereas Paul Rogers has the voice. But like Adam has both of those things together because yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Queen was one of his main influences. Oh, they were. You know. Like, um, even when he was still on American Idol, like, Queen came out and, like, performed right. songs with him. He was on a, that's right. I forgot he was on American Idol and they did that. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, I, but I'm but i with you on that. Like, Queen and Adam Lambert works. Yeah. Do I want to see them make a record? Eh. Nah. They don't need to. No. 
Queen doesn't need to make any new music at this point. Well, except don't didn't they have like solo records? Or doesn't so, Briard may have one or one of them must have one. Well, I mean Freddie has a couple. They all have like a little bit of solo stuff out there somewhere. Yeah. But most of them realize that nobody's going to go see them if they're unless the the queen name is attached to them. Nope. Yep. <laughs> um and going like one more little thing about Queen Forever. I'm looking at the track list right now. I only recognize a couple of the greatest hits that they have on here. I think the only ones that I recognize are You're My Best Friend and Who Wants to Live Forever and Somebody to Love. But like these are all like it's weird because it's I like how it's not necessarily a greatest hits record because they have three or more already. It's I like that they label it a compilation release because they don't. I think they realize, oh, we don't need to re-release. We will rock you, and we are the champions. And Bohemian Rhapsody, like on a fifth greatest hits disc or whatever. So I, I like the I like the hits that they have chosen. Yeah. For it, yeah, because it's very nice and like. There are there are hits that Queen have that like not everyone remembers are hits. Like You're My Best Friend. Like I guess some people know that. A crazy little thing called Love is probably the most popular one on on here. And that's on the game. Yeah. So that's like that also kicks off, you know, 80s Queen superstardom and whatnot. Yeah. Um so I guess the next topic that we can talk about is our favorite. I've been doing this on basically all of the STS episodes we've done except for the first one because I didn't think of it um, but I like to talk about favorite single and deep cut by the artists because I always think it's an interesting topic so without <laughs> trying to think too hard because they have a lot of both uh, do you have Mac do you have a favorite queen single and do you have a favorite queen deep cut my favorite like deep cut, I have I think there's like two, and one of them isn't really a deep cut. It's just I think it's one of their really, really great songs that nobody knows about because Freddie didn't sing him. So it's thirty nine. Okay. And that's it's, a deep cut then, yeah. Yeah. And it's off of um it's off Night at the Opera. Night at the Opera. And the song honestly it kind of predicts the movie Interstellar. Predates it. Fuck you right. Because <laughs> the song is about the year of 39, a bunch of some volunteers go into a spaceship to go into the, to learn stuff. But when they come back because of the gravity and, t- and time difference, it's been to them. What was like a couple of years in space was actually a hundred years. Okay. So all their friends are dead. All of their family members are dead. All they have are like old people who are like offspring of their own. Oh. And it's kind of sad, but it's, I'm getting uh, sad because you said because you mentioned Interstellar, and now I'm thinking back to all those parts in that movie, and I'm just like, eh. sad, sad. Um, yeah, it's it's funny that you'd say that like, um, it's not really, or at least one of your choices wasn't a deep cut, or not necessarily a deep cut, because it was hard for me to choose, you know, one of each, just because, and I'm not as diehard of a Queen fan as you are. I did a lot of the research for this episode because I figured it'd be awesome to talk about. Um, but one, I, I guess it's a single, this thing that I'm talking about, or going to mention, uh, Tie Your Mother Down. That's it's a not, good one. It's not necessarily like a big single, but Tie Your Mother Down, it opens, I think it opens the works. Yeah. Or no, not the works. Uh, oh, Day at the Races. That's what it is. Yes. Day of the Races, because Tiger Mother Down is still 70s queen. Um, but, like, even then, it's just like, you know, I could have gone off and picked Stone Cold Crazy for all I know. 
Yeah. And that's also 70s Queen, and that's not a big single. Oh, that's whatever. good one. I'd also say that. Um, okay, I gotta find it right now. That's fine. Um, there's another track, and that's off of their very first album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the one of their very best. Um, it's actually their very first song, and it is "Keep Yourself Alive." Oh, that's right. And Brian May wrote it. Um, and I just like how it uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a very wholesome, very uh, get you get 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 pumped kind of a song. Okay. And I think it's an excellent song of, like, to introduce somebody to Queen. Okay. Like, if you want to start from the very beginning, you start with the very first track. Right. And from there, um, I mean, obviously, I talk a lot about the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, um, the, there are some tracks off of there that, um, because, like, the entire the entire soundtrack, what makes it so interesting is that they use they put like segments of the movies of the movie audio into the movie right into the into the soundtrack mm-hmm. and it just kind of makes for a very interesting thing and Voltan's theme which is Attack of the Hawkman yeah um, which has this awesome um, drum beat and um, synth part that I just oh it gets me pumped every time I hear it so there's that and I guess the other uh, the only other like deep cut. It's not really a deep cut, also, but it's those with those. These are the days of our lives, oh, which is off of Innuendo. I fucking love that song, man. Which is also the last song that, or the last music video that Freddie that Freddie did. did. Yeah. Oh, and you can you, see he's frail. Oh and, my god, you've seen the behind the scenes footage of that. Yeah, I think that scared the shit out of me when I saw it. Oh yeah, I was just like, oh my god, they're still doing that. They're 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 putting so much makeup on him. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And he's wearing a vest that has all of his cats on it. Oh yeah, that's right. He loved cats. He loved his cats to death, man. Yeah, I kind of hope they include that in the movie. <laughs> um, I do too. If they did, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and another reason why it was difficult for me to choose a favorite single, because they have just so many. Like, not even just you know overplayed ones like, like Bohemian Rhapsody, like We Will Rock You, like We Are the Champions, but even like, like I've mentioned a couple of these before: Bicycle Race, Radio Gaga. Um, I want to break free. Hammer to fall. Like even th- like those are considered singles, but they're not as, oh, I guess overplayed is the right term. Yeah. If I want to be so bold about that, but um, yeah. Um, so I don't know, but I do like I do like the subject on these episodes because it's always nice to see like what songs people pick. Yeah. You know, because I easily could have you easily could have said like another one bites the dust. Nah. And like, but I, it's still a good song, though. It's a good song, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, you know, you, you you can't go wrong with Bohemian Rhapsody. No, you, you just can't. It's you such a timeless song. Speaking of uh, timeless songs and timeless records and whatnot, so now's the time. Uh, this is kind of a different. I I I've done a ranking segment on the episode before this, but because Queen has such a vast like studio discography, I am limiting you to give me your top five Queen records. All right. And I know the names, but I'm not going to know all the songs that are on it. So whenever you are ready, give me your top five Queen studio records. Because like you said, there's 70s Queen, there's 80s Queen, Queen, and and there's everything else. And there's everything else. (laughs) And And 190s Queen record. Which I gotta say, I listened to the song "Innuendo" on the way over here, 
that's a heavy song. Oh yeah. Like, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Queensryche covered that track. Probably. Which, listening to Queen, the original version, it doesn't shock me if they did. But yeah, so whenever you are ready, your top five Queen records, no pressure. <laughs> Yay. Well. And we're not including Hot Space because we already counted that one out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I would say my number five would be Queen 2. Okay. Um, it's it's very much a cult album. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, either you love like 80s Queen or you love 70s Queen. If you love 70s Queen and you're like a purist, you'll love, you'll love Queen 2. And Ogre Battle is great and Seven Seas of Rye is great. Mm. Um, it's hilarious when you look at the, the packaging. Yeah. Because they all have such long hair and they all look like girls and it's hilarious. <laughs> And it's like you, they look like all of like girls, and then you hear some of the heaviest shit heaviest you've ever thing heard. In your life, yeah, and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that cover of Queen Two, that's the first shot in the Bohemian Rhapsody video. Yeah, they uh, because it became so iconic of them, um, if, on posters and t-shirts. Oh yeah, and stuff. So absolutely. They ended up, so they ended up uh, re- redoing it for the music for the uh, music video for mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, one of the very first music videos ever made. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. Huh. So, All right, then. with that, I'd also say that, Jesus, this is tough. I know, this is tough, dude. Um, oh, sheer Heart Attack. Sheer Heart Attack at number, number four? N- number four. Okay. Good stuff, good stuff. And then... That's the one that has Killer Queen on it. Yep. Which is, you know, phenomenal track. Um, number three, I would say... Number three would be jazz. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mustafa's a really good song. All right. Um, it's when they started getting a little more Baroque poppy. Yeah. And I like that. Because, oh, God, what are the hits on that one? Bicycle Race Bicycle is on Bicycle Race one. is on it. Um, Fat Bottom Girls, which is to this day like one of, my, right. one of my crowd killers. <laughs> I like that song, though. I love. No, no, I love it. How, like, yeah. over 40 years, like, for over 40 years, we've been singing about women with big booties, and yeah. that's... One of them songs. That's one of them songs. Oh, one man. We songs. didn't even... Me- See, that's the thing about, like, Queen singles, too, is, like, there are singles that, like, you just mentioned, Fat Bottom Girls. I don't think we have ever mentioned that title once before now. Yeah. And it's, like, one of the greatest song intros ever. And one of the best <laughs> drum solos of all time. Yes. I agree. And also so, one of the greatest uh, af- pre- or post-chorus phrases. Get on your bikes and ride! <laughs> Down, 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 down. All right, let's not go any further on that. We might get sued. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> so, um, and then I'm going to go with Innuendo. At number two? At number two. Wow. Okay. Because it's, it's really good. And okay. it really kind of, it, 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 it freaks people out a little bit how good it is. Yeah. Um, and part of what makes it also so great is that um, I think because Freddie was so near death, you could tell that he was giving it his all. Yeah. And like when, right before he sang the show must go on, he was having vocal troubles and they uh, said, Freddie, we don't have to do it today. And he goes, I'll fucking do it, darling. Nice. And downs a whole thing of like iced vodka. There you go. And proceeds to sing it. If out. that ain't rock star shit, I don't know what the fuck is. Oh, he went out swinging. Mm-hmm. He really did. He did. 
even though it was like it, it was so tragic, it yeah. was still he went out with a bang. For those of you that don't know, if you don't know by now, go fuck yourself. Freddie died. Freddie like was one of the first celebrities to die of, of AIDS H- of AIDS or HIV or something. A- it was um HIV AIDS. Yeah. Yeah, and he like the the spooky thing about that whole thing. If we can talk about that a little bit, he put out a press release at like basically coming out with that saying that he had a disease the day before he died. Yeah. That's just some of the most haunting shit I've pro- in rock history in my opinion. Yeah. Um and then obviously like with like and then there oh, we didn't even talk about the Freddy tribute. The tribute <laughs> the tribute concert is really, cool. really awesome. It has everything from Elton John starting Bohemian Rhapsody and it being ended with Axel Rose, Axel Rose and, and him awesome. doing it. Uh there's one moment during the tribute concert where James Hetfield, Metallica, and Tony Iommi play Stone Cold Crazy with them. Because I, um, when you think of Metallica, you don't think of Queen, but they will go on record and say that you know that era early of Queen, Queen is early Queen huge. is like some of the heaviest stuff you will ever hear in your life. Oh yeah, and Stone Cold Crazy is actually a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but then I have to go. My last one always it's always going to be Night at the Opera. Well, if, okay, I was see I was wondering if you actually were going to put that at number one because I know that you would put that at number one. Oh yeah, but there I, I guess we in conclusion like there's a reason why it's number one. Yep, it's their classic record. Yep, you know everything from yeah from thirty nine to Bohemian Rhapsody to um, I'm in love with my car. I'm in love with my car. Their cover at God Save the Queen. That's on it. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess I don't blame you for putting it number one. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if I was a, like more of a queen fan or like a, like a more, it like, was inducted into the Grammy hall of fame in 2018. That record. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know they could do that with records. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ranks at 231 on the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. That low. I mean, there's. I think I, I th- I'm trying to remember if I've seen that list before, but that's just like at the halfway point. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a fuck ton of music. There's a fuck ton well, of good stuff. In true, there. <laughs> that's very true. Um, it was like ranked at 17 by Q Magazine's list of the best British albums ever. Okay. Um. Let's see. This record just has so many accolades. Is yeah. Ridiculous. BBC BBC's poll for the top 100 albums that came in at number nine. Wow. I'm intrigued to hear what the eight after it were, but whatever. Um, yeah, it that's that record just has so many accomplishments, and that it put Queen on the map. Yeah, like, that is the record that people think of when they think of Queen becoming popular. Um. So yeah, that is a very good list, by the way. It is a very diverse list. I'm surprised you didn't have News of the World on it, because that's the one that has "We Will Rock You" and "We Are the Champions" on it. Yeah, well, they're good songs, but like, I think. I love those songs, but like I guess it got a little over. It's gotten a little overplayed with every true. Super Bowl, and that is true. I mean, like when I saw Run the Jewels uh, play in at Riot Fest this year, mm-hmm. uh, they came out to We Are the Champions, and it was cool. Everyone was singing along. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Green Day's covered We Are the Champions, like, or at least they did around the American Idiot era, because I think I talked about that on the first STS was when we did Green Day, and we talked about one of the tracks that was recorded during uh, Bullet in a Bible but wasn't released, was a cover of We Are the Champions. But I think you can find that online. And it's a really good cover. Um, yeah. So, and the final thing that we are going to talk about because we, we're doing Queen in honor of this thing coming out is the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it's finally coming out. Yes. It's coming out November 2nd. 
if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, to, so this film is basically, uh, Fre- it's about, you know, it's the bio, it's the Freddie Mercury biopic yep. and his time. It's, you know, it's going to be about his time in queen. Um, and I, I think you told me this, it's basically going to be, uh, from Freddie's beginnings up to live aid. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So they don't touch on. Any, they don't touch on like anything yeah, so post that. It's interesting. I know a little bit about like the, the background of this film because it's been in development for years. Oh, it's been in development hell for like Yeah. For 12, a while for Sasha Baron for a while Sasha Baron Cohen was attached to play Freddie Mercury. Which would have been so fucking perfect. It would have been amazing. But, but yeah. it would it's obvious they would have had him for the end for end of his life. Mm-hmm. And originally when they had written this when the script was written, the intention was that the first half was gonna be about the ride up to Freddie dying, and the second half was the band continuing. Okay, and a lot of um, a lot of like filmmakers and um, studio execs, like people, they don't really want to watch you guys get better. They, they, it's mm. more of like they're there for Freddie. Yeah, and as much as horrible as it sounds, because I know like I'd love to see that. Yeah, I, would I definitely too. see where the studio is coming from because. Yeah. Nobody's gonna want to watch a movie where the, where the main guy dies midway through. Yeah. So to <laughs> that's switch like, it that's up, a good point. <laughs> so to switch it up and kind of deal with um, the party lifestyle that the Queen was doing in the seventies into the eighties, I think is a good good call. Okay. Yeah. And um, the fact that it's ending with Live Aid, which is, as most people know, one of the absolute. It's a quintessential Queen performance. Yeah. Yeah. The best. Mm-hmm. So, and as you said, Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to play him, and then Rami Malik is now playing. Rami Malik, who actually, like from the trailers that I've seen, he he fits the part. Oh, beyond. he definitely fits young Freddie. Yeah, he, he plays a good like younger version of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When did Sasha Baron Cohen like leave the project? I think because I think I know I know the reason why, but I don't remember when exactly. I believe it was. Like around two, like twenty ten, it was twenty ten. Okay, that sounds about right. And well, the reason why he left is because they wanted this movie to be. It's going to be PG thirteen. Yeah. Which the band also wanted to keep it PG thirteen, um, but Sasha Baron Cohen wanted a rated R Queen movie. Yeah. Which I think would have been dope. Um, I guess I understand why the band would want it to keep it PG thirteen because yeah. they don't want to see it, and of course the band, of course Brian May and Roger Taylor should have some fucking say in it. Yeah, you know, um, especially if they're the ones still continuing on with Queen as a live entity, and they're still being involved in it because John Deacon's been retired for like twenty years, at least from music for like the last, you know, two de- or like decade and a half or whatever. Um, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's some interesting stuff. And yeah. like I know that um And they had a director change too, right? They had a director change. Brian Singer is still technically listed as the director of this oh, film. Is he? Okay. Um he is a bit of a, a bit of a problematic person right mm-hmm. now. Um however uh, he, he left he left production midway through, but because he had already like shot half half of it. I think technically, legally, according to the Directors Guild of America, he gets his name attached to it. Okay. But most people up a, they have a bad taste in, in, in their mouth about yeah. Brian Singer right now. Yeah. So, 
We'll see what happens. I'm I'm looking forward to it just because there's a Queen movie coming out. Oh yeah. And the fact that it's finally coming out. Oh, I'm you know, so excited. It looks hilarious. It looks awesome and I kind of hope they talk about more of I kind of hope there's a good balance of both recording Queen and live Queen because yeah. you know throughout the you know with like the first couple of trailers that they've put out they released they're like they're showing footage of the band recording the song bohemian rhapsody which is some of the most hilarious footage uh i've seen but i kind of hope that i, I kind of like that they're focusing on that yeah. which leaves more to us as an audience of just being like oh we're gonna get some more information thrown at us other than how the song from wayne's world was created <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope to see it the weekend that it comes out. If not, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do everything I can to go see it. Okay. Cool. Um. I got some friends who want to see it with me too. So. Hey. Might go um, see it a couple more times. We'll see. I. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how good it has it gotten like early reviews yet. It or hasn't. No? It premieres at Wembley though. Oh, which does I think it? Is interesting. Oh my god, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. At the at the new Wembley Stadium, right? Because they because the that stadium has changed a little bit. They changed it a little bit. They took down the towers and mm-hmm. um, just to make some more, more room for seats. Yeah. And it's a really great venue, though. It's it is. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's used mostly for football, but... Right. Football. English football. Football. Um, European football. Yeah, European soccer. Um, yeah. Football. That'll, I know football. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be super sick. I, I, I think that's a very smart... Uh, choice to premiere it at one of the places or at least the name of one of the places that queen you know made yeah famous in their legacy or whatever um so yeah i guess that kind of reaches the end of the episode so mac thank you so much for uh taking the time and sitting down and chatting about queen with me yeah absolutely um we we didn't even get to a lot of stuff on here and like i said guys this is one of the more difficult ones that I've ever structured just cause there's a lot of shit that we did not cover on here at all. Yeah. And this is probably like the biggest, you know, the most vast discography episode that we've ever done, but it was awesome to have, uh, you on it. Uh, Mac, you, I forgot. I'll say this at the intro of the episode, but you also are the host of a podcast on here. So do you want to plug that for a little bit? Um, sure. Um, I do time to adapt with my good friend, Selena. Shout out to Selena. Um, it's a podcast where we, we read a book and then we watch the film adaptation. Um, we had just done, we just finished a double episode where we did Jurassic Park and Timeline in honor of Michael Crichton. Right. And we're looking forward to some more spooky stuff that we got coming up because it's October. Because it's October. Um. Spooky season. So we got some crazy ideas and hopefully we'll be able to put them out soon so the world can hear them. Yeah. On the Zima Podcasting Network. I'm Zima looking at Graham as he's Look at smirking. Him. He's over there just... <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for doing this, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah. So there you have it, everybody. Many thanks again to Max Schaefer for taking the time out of his day to chat about everything Queen with me. Uh, this was such a good episode. I had a lot of fun just talking everything about Queen. Um, yeah, be sure to listen to 
his podcast with Selena uh, called Time to Adapt. It's also on the Zima Podcasting Network, so keeping it in the family here. Um, so listen to his episodes. Those are super rad. Um, and so to close out every episode, I like to feature a uh, track by an artist that I interview. But since we don't have one, I'm going to pick one from a band that I have already had on the podcast. So I'm going to play... Uh, a song by Dystopian Echo. They released this track called Purple. Um, it's a new single. It came out, I think, a week and a half ago, and it's a really awesome track. I hope you guys dig it. Um, so we're going to play that at the end right now. I'm Eddie Ehrenhurster, and I will see you guys next time.
Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.